fellow friends in Christ, this is Pastor Alan Rosenau. Today we are finishing our sermon series entitled Re-Hope. In this series, we've been examining different biblical words that begin with the letters R-E. These are words of grace, words of God's encouragement to us, and words that give us hope. Today's R-E word is reconciliation, a big word, but we're all familiar with it, of course. Usually it's brought up in the context of our human relationships. And when we talk about reconciliation, it's often in the context of a relationship that is strained or perhaps even broken. When it comes to reconciliation, people are brought together again. A friendship is mended. A relationship is restored. In today's Bible passage from Luke 15, we hear a reconciliation story. And though it is a a story that talks about a family situation, it really is a story about us and God. Originally, Jesus told this story for the sake of a group of Pharisees who were criticizing him for associating with the likes of tax collectors and other people with a bad reputation. But in the big picture, it really is a story for each and every one of us. It's most well-known by the title of the story of the prodigal son. In actuality, it's a story about two sons and their father. As the story goes, the younger of the two sons goes up to his father one day and asks his father to give him his share of the inheritance. Now, this must have been extremely hurtful and offensive to the father because basically the son was saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance now. Well, the father agrees and gives him his portion of the inheritance. You know the story. He goes off to a foreign country. He wastes all of his money on foolish living and ends up with nothing. He's not only shattered his relationship with his father, he has squandered all of those resources. He ends up desperately feeding a farmer's pigs and longing to eat the food that the pigs eat. He had truly hit bottom where the only way to look was up. As he recognizes his dire situation, he truly has a profound sense of remorse. So the young man decides to return to his father. He decides to return, that is to re-turn. You see, he had turned away from his father. And now he returns toward his father. The word return is another way of saying repent. That is to do a 180 degree turn away from all that is wrong about one's current lifestyle and to turn toward the one who can make all things right and good and joyful and hopeful again. How about you? Is it time to return toward your heavenly Father? As I said earlier, this story is really about us and God and our need for reconciliation. 
So like that young man in that story, are you weary from wandering? Are you famished by foolishness? Are you tired of toilsome trespassing? Are you parched from the empty pursuit of pleasure? Have you come to that point where you are saying to yourself, I will no longer dine with swine? If so, maybe it's time to return toward your father. Maybe it's time to repent. The fact is, every day is a time to repent because, frankly, we sin every day and many times over. You know, the truth be told, we are all perpetual prodigals. We regularly go our own way, do our own thing. And whenever we do that, every little sin is a step away from our Heavenly Father. Every thought, word, or deed that is contrary to the law of God is an offense to our holy God. And so every day we need to return. The very first of Martin Luther's 95 theses reads this way. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, in Matthew 4, verse 17, he willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. So the first component of reconciliation is genuine repentance, the returning. Let me ask you, are you ready to return? The story in Luke 15 continues as the prodigal son makes his way toward his father's house. And as he goes along, he has a strategy in mind. He's always looking at the angles of things. He plans to ask his father to allow him to be one of his servants. You see, in his mind, he's thinking that perhaps he could work hard and earn his way back into his father's good graces. Isn't that our natural inclination, too? To try to make ourselves right in the father's eyes, to earn our way back to him? Well, we can almost picture that prodigal son rehearsing his lines as he's getting closer and closer to his father's house. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. I bet he said it over and over again as he prepared for this confrontation with his, with his father because he was fully expecting to be scolded and maybe even punished. And so he prepares to preclude his father's anger by making his case for servanthood. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me like one of your hired servants. And as he gets closer to home, in his own mind, he can almost feel his father's fury, the blast of that fury coming at him. But then he gets there and, no, instead, surprise, there's no fury, only favor. There's no kick in the pants, only kindness. There's no get out of here, only grace. And that once rebellious, self-centered prodigal son receives a lavish welcome home 
from the Father who loves him. Friends, just consider for a moment the gracious actions of the Father in this story. First of all, he sees his son from quite a distance, which is an indication that he'd been looking intently for his son. I well imagine he went out on his front porch every day, searching the horizon to see if perhaps this would be the day that his son would return. And then when he sees his son in the distance, he is filled with compassion. And then he does the unthinkable. He runs out to meet his son. Now, that may not seem so strange to us, but in that day and age and in that culture, a man did not run. First of all, he would be wearing a rather long gown, which would make it difficult to run. And so in order to run, he'd have to lift up his gown, exposing his bare legs, and that's just something a man did not do in that culture. But this father didn't care how embarrassing it might look to others. He ran as quickly as he could to reach his son. And when he got there, he smothered him with hugs and kisses. The son, of course, then tries to make his case for servanthood. And he begins his well-rehearsed lines. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And... He can't even get his clever proposal out of his mouth because his father interrupts his little speech and calls for the servants to bring a vast array of lavish homecoming gifts, a robe, a ring for his finger, the fattened calf to be slaughtered, a feast to be prepared, a party to be thrown. And notice that all of this was coming at the initiative of the father. And all his son could do was receive his father's kindness. Receive. That's the second component of reconciliation. God's reconciliation. You see, we are to receive God's kindness toward us. Not try to earn anything, just receive it in faith. And of course, the kindness of God was shown to us at the cross and the empty tomb of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, through whom we have reconciliation with the Father. St. Paul writes about reconciliation in his letter to the Colossians, chapter 1. For God was pleased through his Son to reconcile to himself all things by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Friends, do you see what it means that we are reconciled to the Father through Jesus? Where we once were enemies of God, we have now been made friends of God. Even better than that, we've been made children of God, members of his family, kids of the king, and dearly loved at that. 
And after being reconciled to the Father through our Savior Jesus Christ, how can we not rejoice? Rejoice! That is exactly what we see happening in the latter part of this story in Luke 15. The Father is rejoicing, the servants are all rejoicing, and yes, the returned prodigal by now is certainly rejoicing. And when that older son, who again represents the Pharisees, when that older son angrily refuses to celebrate and refuses to even acknowledge his brother as his brother, the father explains exactly why rejoicing was the very best thing that they could do. Listen to Luke 15, verses 31 and 32. The father says to the older son, My son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Friends, reconciliation really ought move us to rejoice. Maybe there is some additional reconciliation that needs to take place in one or more of your human relationships. Maybe someone you know acted badly. Someone stepped away. Someone is resentful. Let me encourage you to take this story from Jesus and make it your own. For if God can reconcile the entire sinful world to himself, and yes, that includes you, he can certainly help you find healing in your other relationships, even if that healing happens only in the hearts and minds of those involved. Let me ask you, in your human relationships, do you need to return? Do you need to re turn, to repent? Do you need to admit your part in whatever the problem is between you and another person? Do you need to humbly receive the gracious forgiveness from someone else? And will you allow that other person to also receive forgiveness? Will you let go of all bitterness and resentment and allow yourself and others to finally rejoice. You see, it's all about reconciliation. God has reconciled us to himself, and he calls us to reconcile with others. In Christ Jesus, you have been reconciled to the Father. He welcomes you back to himself with open arms. May you find your greatest hope in the loving embrace of your, of your heavenly Father. And may His embrace lead you to embrace others in Jesus' name. Amen.